Hey you, welcome to Live with Liv, a show where I get real with friends, entrepreneurs, celebs, artists, and just all around cool, down-to-earth humans who do incredible things. This is all a rerun from my Instagram Live, so please excuse any colloquialisms, silly sounds, or verbal mishaps. Listen while cleaning your room, working out, or taking a drive. I can't wait to hear what you think. Hi. How are you? Good. You are amazing. I can't wait to hear your story. Please take us through from college to where you are now. I know you started as an intern at Oprah, and please talk to us. Sure. I mean, how long do you have? (laughs) (laughs) As long Um, as you want. So I mean, my story, I guess, is, you know, I knew, I've known since I was literally eight years old that I wanted to be a writer. I wrote, like, my first kind of clue was that I wrote a book that I gave to my mom. It was about two best friends, a skeleton and a monster. And I, like, wrote the book and I did some drawings. And um, I, so it was, like, pretty obvious since I was a kid that I w- always wanted to be a writer. Um, but I always thought I wanted to be in newspapers. I was going to be, like, Lois Lane, newspaper reporter. Um I went to Penn State where I majored in journalism, was the best experience. I loved going to Penn State. Um, And then after I graduated from college, I had an internship with the New York Daily News. So I was still in the newspaper world. But while I was in college at Penn State, I ended up um, editing the, um, the lifestyle magazine for women there called Valley. It was like my favorite, one of my favorite things about college. Um, So I always knew I would love to get into the magazine world, but at the time it was still very much like, unless you've done a million internships and you know people and you're connected, you know, it was a very hard world to break into. Um, And so I was interning at the New York Daily News and was still doing kind of the newspaper thing, which I really did love. Um, But then um, after I was in New York for about three months, um, I actually met a a Penn State alum who was the publisher at Seventeen Magazine, and she mentioned that there was uh, an internship program at Oh! The Oprah Magazine, which is another Hearst publication. Um, So long story short, I applied for that internship, got the internship. It was a post-grad internship. I was making literally like minimum wage and eating like peanut butter and jellies for lunch (laughs) and just like scraping by to make it, but it was the best experience ever. I mean, just like working for not just Oprah, but also, you know, in the magazine industry, like I always dreamed of, which um, was incredible. And then I ended up working as Gail King's assistant. um, And I was her assistant for almost five years. It was like the best experience ever. Um, There, I always tell people, Gail is not just like the best boss that I could ask for, but also probably like the best human being I've ever met. So she was incredible to work for. Yeah, and then I was at Oprah for about six years. Like, I feel like I grew up there. And after that, I left. um, I went to Us Weekly, where I was uh, an entertainment editor. And then I went to Refinery29. And I did a lot of features reporting and writing there. I did some on-camera hosting. It was great. Um, And then the opportunity came about to come back to Hearst to... um, to launch the editorial website for The Oprah Magazine, which was... And I mean, it was like, when I say full circle moment, it doesn't even begin to describe it. Because like you, like I said, I started at Oprah as an intern. So to come back and to launch this huge project and, you know, to oversee a team and to figure out the vision for this website, it, it was like the dream job. So it's been almost two years now since I came back. And it's been, it's been, it's been incredible. I mean, <laughs> that's, that's the story. That's the story. 
<laughs> like you win the greatest story of all time thank you thank like, you it's pretty it's you know. pretty great I have to say give it up to God for sure okay and so you know Oprah like just that word in general affects a mood and incites passion and Oprah and Gail both have such strong impact positive impact on the world so how does it feel to be a part of directing that needle every day? Do you feel like there is a sense of obligation? Is it stress? How do, you, how do you deal with, I think, just processing that and then knowing that you're in charge of that perception? I think that, I mean, that's a great question. It definitely is is something that I think about a lot, you know, um, like you said, um, pushing people to live their best lives. So it's definitely a big um, responsibility. And, you know, of course, it can feel like a lot of pressure at times. But I just tried, you know, I think one of the really unique things about me is that I did kind of grow up working for the magazine. And literally, in my yeah. early 20s, I spent, you know, my, I spent my early 20s, reading and editing and writing stories about living your best life and how to be your most authentic self. And, um, you know, how to spread goodness in the world. And so I think that training and like really getting into that when I was, you know, 21, 22. And I think that that helped me to grow in so many ways that I don't think I really realized until until now. Um, so I think I definitely try my best, you know, as a person and as just as, as a human to make sure that I, um, you know, spread goodness and light and love into the world, but also do that through, through my work for sure. And, you know, I also like I, my, one of my favorite games that I play with myself is like, if we're editing a story or if we're publishing something, obviously everything that's coming from our brand is not coming from Oprah herself, but right. I try to keep, I, do, I try to imagine like if Oprah was reading the story or if I was a reader and I was reading this and I, you know, did think that it's, you know, an extension of Oprah, how would I feel? So that's mm -hmm. kind of how I look at it. Okay. And, you know, I think that's such a great way to calibrate the type of content you release, right? I think, yeah. you know, everyone needs to have regulations for what they put out into the world, right? And, and some people, like for me, I like to go by, well, does it educate, does it inspire, or does it make people laugh? And if it's not in those three buckets, if it makes people feel worse about themselves, if it's just like a, a sexy girl shot, like, yeah, it's not, it's not worth putting that out there. So talk to me a little bit about how you direct conversation with Ashley Graham and with big celebrities who have these platforms. How do you kind of direct them the same way you direct yourself in, in terms of content? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, I one of the things, you know, I think that one of the things that everyone loves about Oprah and the reason why she became so relatable over the years is just I think that Oprah was just always herself. And I think that's probably the biggest lesson that I've learned both from working with Oprah and also working with Gail. I think that just I think authenticity is like just the, the most important thing that you can bring to the table in any situation. So I think, you know, when I am interviewing people or, you know, whether it is someone like Maluma or Ashley Graham mm -hmm. or it's someone like you know, just someone that I'm interviewing for a story about their life, I try to just bring, I just try to talk to them like, you know, I'm a friend and like, you know, like I would with my girlfriends. And I just try mm -hmm. to, to talk to people like, you know, at the end of the day, celebrity or not celebrity, no matter who you are, you're still, you a know, person. a person. And I just try to bring to the table my own like curiosity and my own just like, 
you know, me, Ariana, as a person, someone who loves pop culture and who is very just curious, like, what do I really want to know? What do I think other people would want to know? I always try to, like, keep in mind our audience and just, like, you know, we call our reader at, at Oprah Mag, we call our reader Janet. That's, she's, like, this imaginary woman in our mind that we, you know, always think about as the person who's reading our content. And I always just think about, you know, what would Janet want to know from Ashley Graham? Like, what would Janet most want to, especially during this quarantine, I've been thinking a lot about how we can reach people through their phones or through Zoom or whatever it is. And, um, you know, what is it that they would be craving or wanting right now? Right. It's interesting to me that you bring up Janet, right? Because I feel like you probably see a lot of yourself in this reader and you're, you're so articulate in the way that you're paying attention to how you feel so that you're providing content that is relatable because it's, mm -hmm. it's something that you need at the time that you're sourcing versus sourcing it and then making it relatable. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think it's, I definitely think about myself as, you know, and our, our, I think the cool thing about launching the website was that like, you know, the magazine hat is so historic and legendary. We actually, the magazine just celebrated 20 years, which is incredible. And so now having the opportunity to kind of start to really like think about digitally, how can we expand that audience? How can we bring in a younger reader who might be more in my age range or, you know, even like Gen Z or surprise, you might be surprised, but like, you know, a lot of Gen Zers don't really know Oprah, don't really know about her legacy, but they are all about living your best life and authenticity and self-care and all of the kind of core principles of Oprah's world. So, um, you know, I try to just keep in mind that like, you know, we have a core reader, but we also are always trying to bring in more people. And, um, you know, I try to just make sure that it's also like we're putting out content that I myself would want to read. Right. And by the way, two things. Number one, my grandma and grandpa say hello. I just read that comment. So hi, grandma. Oh, yes. and grandpa. Hi, guys. <laughs> Speaking of different demographics. I love things. that your grandma and your grandpa are on Instagram. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> we went over with masks and gloves, and I showed my grandpa from afar how to log into his iPad. So I'm so excited. Um, but back to regarding age group. Adedeo has a really great question. What would you say the age group is for the magazine? And how are you expanding beyond that? So our, our I mean, well, for the magazine versus, we do have a little bit of a different age group between the magazine and digital. So digital, we see that our median age is usually like between like 46, 47. Mm -hmm. And then the magazine, it's, it's usually starting in like early 50s and up. So it's, a, it's slightly younger, but again, we're talking median age, right? So it's like, you know, our target reader, Janet, she's probably about 46. But, you know, mm -hmm. Janet's younger sister or her cousin are, are probably our reader who's on Instagram. And her mom is probably the one that's reading the magazine and... Um, her sister-in-law might be the one who is the like subscribes to our newsletter. So we just try to think about, we do think about our core reader, but we also think about all the other people in her, in her world. And, you know, one of our Instagram has, has such high engagement. If you follow us over at, at Oprah magazine and it's, um, you know, we've seen, we've been able to really grow the brand so much through social media. I think that's been, um, even for people who don't read the magazine, um, or even go to the website, like the, the Instagram feed is kind of their own version of, of the brand and like it's a curated version of it. So our social media editor, Joseph, he does an incredible job of like curating a very positive, inspiring, uplifting, um, those little like nuggets that as you're scrolling through your feed will hopefully make you smile every day. So, you know, we're always just trying to reach into like every little crevice that we can for yeah, all right. ages. But I would say, you know, our, our median age is probably like if we're thinking about Janet, she's like mid 40s. We love Janet. Yeah. And also what's so interesting is 
with this new age of technology, right, information is more accepted by a full range rather than, you know, this is just for 40-year-olds. Something that's for my mom is also very, you know, inspirational and something that I, as a 20-something-year-old, can relate to as well. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think in this day, like, I think the big thing right now, like, especially during this quarantine, like, self-care is such a, you know, buzzword and has been for a while. And, you know, this idea of living your best life, like, there's songs about living your best life, and everyone has it in their Instagram bios. But like, that phrase started with Oh, the Oprah magazine. A lot of people don't, I think, realize back in, you know, 1999, actually before that on the Oprah show, you know, Oprah kind of first came up with that phrase, and it just stuck around. So I definitely think that, you know, it's an idea I think that's been around for a while, but now partially I think thanks to social media, we're all more comfortable to say like, hey, sometimes I need to just put myself first and, you know, I'm what matters the most. So, Amen. Yeah. And so yes. speaking of living your best life, let's transition from Oprah and let's just talk about you. So take us back to college. Were you living your best life and how do you get into that mindset? Have you relied on hard work more than hustle or positivity more than the hustle? Has it been an equivalent kind of grit and growl? I definitely have always, it's funny, my friend, I see my friend Devin in the comments. We, when I mentioned Valley Magazine, which was like the magazine I edited at Penn State, we went to Penn State together and um, even back, I mean, I've always, I think, but especially in college, it was when I really found how much I love hustling. And like, I'm just one of those people, I'm very, like, I just feel more of myself and at my best when like, I'm grinding and I'm going after something that I want. And so I think that definitely like, you know, hard work. And I think a lot of people hear a story like mine. And, you know, on an Instagram live, it sounds all sparkly and beautiful. But you know, there, I can't even tell you how many late nights and how much how much time I spent you know, like I mentioned, you know, there were years where I spent making literally no money. I didn't know how I was going to pay my rent. I, you know, working in media in New York City is not easy. And I had to like freelance on the weekends to make ends meet. And, you know, it has not been an easy journey. But of course, things, I think social media makes it seem like it's like, you know, oh, like everything's sparking. Look, she went from an intern <laughs> to a digital director. Like, it's a great story. But there's so much in between that it took to get here. So, mm -hmm. um, I definitely think like I try to balance out the, the hustle with, you know, positivity for sure. But, you know, hustle, it, the hustle is real. And I think that like a lot of people don't really realize that it's not, you know, there's no such thing as an overnight success story. Like the grind and the hustle is real. So, yeah. And I love that you focus on that because so often, especially on Instagram and social, we talk about strengths and, and you know, living your best life, but it's hard to find stories or outlets like Oprah Magazine that really can focus on struggle, whether it be infertility of African-American women, which I know is something you directed to, failure. So let's talk about failure. What has been one of your failures and how did you oh overcome that? I can't even, I mean, there's been a lot. I, I think, um, I mean, you know, we talk a lot about you know, I talked about my job that I loved at Refinery29, and I talked about Us Weekly and coming back to Oprah, but there's so many jobs I went for over the years that, you know, I was dying to get or that, I, you know, I felt like were the dream jobs, and I made it mm -hmm. to the final round of an interview, and, you know, I got called for references, and, you know, it didn't end up, it, it ended up falling through. Um, I think, you know, of course, everything happens for a reason, and I think when things happen to you, obviously, it can it's easier said than done to remember that. Um, 
but you know there's been there's definitely been quite a few times or there's been a few mis big mistakes that I've made at work or um you know times where I've been like I might get fired for this like there's been a lot of those moments so you know it definitely has not been all like rainbows um but you know I think a lot of those failures I just always try to remember obviously there's a reason that this is happening um one of my favorite stories there was a there was a, a I won't name it, but there was a magazine that I really want. There was a job that I wanted so badly at a magazine and I didn't end up getting the job, even though I made it to like the references phase and I thought the job was mine and I didn't get it. And then, um, you know, someone else that I knew ended up getting that job and I ended up getting her old job at the place where she was. And <laughs> then a year later, she left the job that I wanted because she was so miserable there. So it was kind of like that later on, like put into perspective like clearly I th like I thought this was the dream job but there was clearly a reason that I didn't get th that I didn't get that job and that it didn't work out so it can be hard I think in the moment to remember that but um you know hindsight is always 2020. Of course and it's so funny whether that be regarding toxic relationships or things that don't pan out you always look yes. back and that's what I say, like, there's a reason that he wasn't right or that she was a bad friend. And look at it now. Just look. Preach. You know? <laughs> Preach. Like, yeah, you're preaching for sure. <laughs> We're on the same page. Yeah. I so get you. That's my, so, that's my, go ahead. Oh, no worries. You have to let someone out. Yeah, it, yeah I'll get it in a minute. Go, get, go, go, yeah. go, go, go. Don't worry. No, 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 go ahead, go ahead. I'll call okay. Okay, um, so tell me, like quickly, or, or not so quickly, depending on who you're getting at the door, you know, it could be Oprah. Um, <laughs> it's not Oprah. She is at her house quarantining, girl. She Are you sure? <laughs> you're making me nervous. No, 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 not at all, not at all. Okay, so talk to us a little bit about, you know, advice that you have. I know you're such a hustler. And what is that advice that you would tell your younger self for staying in and missing those nights out? and grinding with a purpose when maybe you don't even know what the end result is going to look like? Wow, that's such a good question. Um, you know, I think that I, I think that you know, like when there's something that you dream about or something that you really want, like I feel like you feel it in your gut, you feel it inside. I feel like I've always just kind of had that fire inside that's really you know, and I'm, I, I realize that I'm lucky. I know that everyone doesn't know their purpose and everyone doesn't know exactly what they want to do. And But I know that I, even if I didn't always, like, I didn't know that being a digital director was a job 10 years ago. I didn't know that running a website was a job 10 years ago. Um, but I've always at least known, I want to write, I want to be a storyteller. I want to put stories out into the world. Like I knew on a basic level and I feel like I've always kind of felt that fire inside that's that's pushed me. So I think even in those nights when like, you know, I remember, I like always remember being an intern and like, I remember some of the girls and like their like high heels and like super like designer outfits coming upstairs with their like really fancy lunches. And I came with my Tupperware in my little like peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I just remember being like, I can't like, is this like, what am I doing here? Like, I just remember feeling, you know, and, and that was sacrifice. All I could afford at the time was like tea, ramen, noodles. And, I, you know, I feel like I knew that this was something that I really wanted. And, you know, I was willing to sacrifice whatever it took to get there. But yeah, so I would say that I think that's definitely uh, probably my words of advice would be um, just just like if there's something that you really want, you just, I think it's about trusting in God. It's about trusting in yourself. And it's just about having that confidence that, um, you know, the sacrifice will pay off and then it will be worth it eventually. 
I have the chills and I only get the chills. Everyone knows that when it's a really good thing. So <laughs> amen to that. And so what would you be doing if Oprah didn't pan out? Like what do you where do you think you would be? Ooh. Um, I mean, I definitely, again, I, I always wanted to be a storyteller. I, I, my first book is coming out this fall. It's called What Would Frida Do? It's out October 20th. Um, and I've always, like I told you at the beginning of this, I, you know, I was in, I think, third grade when I wrote my first book that I gave to my mom. Like, I've always wanted to write a book. Um, so I think I would definitely be in, like, the words world in some way or another. I would, if it wasn't writing books, or maybe I would be, like, an English professor um, but I think I definitely would be somewhere in that realm, even if it wasn't necessarily journalism. That is so cool. And I, I am going to be promoting that book. Like you have no idea. Oh my God, thanks. Yes. Pre-order, please. You guys can find, if you wanted to pre-order, uh, link it, the link is in my bio. Um, but yeah, October 20th, it was, it was such an, I learned so much from the process of writing a book and really diving into Frida's life and all the lessons that we can learn from her and how to live more boldly and more inspired and empowered. So yes, October 20th. Check it it out. sounds like you are Frida. So it doesn't, <laughs> you know, it doesn't baffle me that you I tried to channel story, my though. inner Frida while writing it for sure. That is so cool. Be like an inner Frida. I, we need to make something. Someone has to make like a quote and I'll, we'll post, you know, be like Frida. I think that's amazing. <laughs> So talk to us a little bit more. Like, do you feel like you have gotten to a point where, I mean, you're a digital director for Oprah Magazine. Like, it's pretty crazy. And you hustled to get there. Do you ever feel like you're not so motivated anymore because you've gotten yourself to this place? Like, what keeps you going? Ooh, wow. You're asking the real questions now. Um... <laughs> I definitely think, you know, there's definitely times where I think, especially working in media where, you know, so many people in my life have, I mean, even when I first got into journalism, everyone's like, you know, journalism's dying or like, you know, media is dying or, you know, that like five years from now, everyone's just going to be watching video. No one's going to be reading anything. So there's definitely a lot of times where, you know, I kind of wonder what direction is this going in or, you know, what could be next for me? But I feel like, um, there's always going to be a need for storytellers and there's always going to be a need for people to be inspired and to feel like they have a place or a resource to, to help them, mm -hmm. um, you know, uplift themselves. So I just try to think about that. And I don't always know what the future has in store. You know, I don't know, you know, maybe I'll stay as digital director at Oprah Mac till I'm an old lady, or maybe, <laughs> maybe not, you know, it's, <laughs> I feel like I'm just trying at this stage to, to stay open to opportunities. Um, one, I mean, social media has been, has taught me a lot, just this platform and learning that like, you know, there's also now storytelling on Instagram, even just this conversation that we're having and doing Instagram lives. I feel like I've learned, um, you know, that there's so many different platforms and ways to reach people. And, you know, even the people who are watching this today, the fact that we're able to inspire them together, hopefully, and maybe it's just like a bright little blip in their day. I think that there's, um, you know, so many things in store. So, I, you know, I think about all those things. And as of right now, I'm just happy where I am and I'm happy what I'm doing. And um, I'm always open and excited for whatever life has next. Amen. And someone commented, Watercolor Cape Town said, it's not dying, it's evolving. And I studied at, at the School of Journalism in Wisconsin. So and yeah. it's so true. And you know how you talked about how maybe, you know, you would be an English professor or something. It's like you can use this platform to release a book and to be a professor. You're teaching us right now. 
Wow. I mean, when you put it like that, that's, that's, I mean, that's so true. And I think the, the one silver lining from this pandemic, I definitely think is that we're all rethinking how, like, we're all rethinking so many things. Like now it's like, you know, maybe you can just go to school remotely, even just in journalism. I mean, I think New York has always been the epicenter of media, right? But now I'm like, who says that I can't hire an editor from Texas or, Missouri or wherever, you know, if they're really talented and they can work remotely, like, I think we're all just like, this has forced us all to kind of open our eyes to the fact that like technology is on our side in a lot of ways. And I think that um, we can use that to our advantage. I mean, I just interviewed Maluma, who was at his house in Colombia while I was here in New York. And like, that is crazy when you think about it. So I think that that is probably like one of the small silver linings of this whole situation is that um, I think it's opened up a lot of our eyes and kind of made us aware of all of the different ways we can we can take advantage of technology in that way. Claro que sí, por eso puedo hablar en español si quieres. Oh, live survivor, let me find out. Let me find out. Okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Um, cool. So talk to us because quarantine is such a great subject and in a positive light what does your job consist of typically and like a day-to-day -day and then in the life of quarantine I'm so curious um typical day starts with um so I oversee a team of eight people the digital team at Oprah and we um every morning start by literally just looking at the news and seeing okay what are we going to cover today like what are the stories that we want to tell we do we definitely do a lot of celeb news so everything from like you know the royals to you know Gabrielle Union did this really cute thing with her baby to you know the latest Oprah news we we, we start out we're more in the um celebrity news kind of uplifting positive news so we start every day by like our team pitches me stories and um, I approve you know what stories we're going to work on um, and then throughout the day I'm top editing stories I'm also sometimes writing my own stories if I have the time and then there's a lot of meetings uh, there's a lot of meetings with other people at Hearst people on Oprah's team um, there's uh, you know we we work with a lot of the other teams at Hearst which is like why Hearst is such a great company because we do get to re rely on like we work with the Cosmo team, we work with Marie Claire's team and Elle, and we sometimes syndicate stories from each other. So there's a lot of meetings, which is always, um, so now in the pandemic, it's like similar, but um, now everything's on Slack and Zoom and Slack calls and email, and it's kind of the same scenario, but just all remotely basically. So that's a typical day. I mean, before the pandemic, you know, sometimes I would be on set if we were shooting, doing a photo shoot with someone, or if we were, um, doing videos or if we were shooting an episode of the OG Chronicles with Oprah and Gail. So that, that was always fun. I always loved being on set or getting to do things outside of the office a little bit. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the gist. And the OG Chronicles, by the way, because you are so My humble. Favorite. May I please say that that was your idea and you overheard Oprah and Gail talking on the phone many, many times when you were Gail's assistant. And then you went on to say, you guys have to talk about it. And they tell us what they said and how it all came to fruition. Yeah, I, um, I mean, when I was Gail's assistant for many years, it's so funny, people are always surprised to learn that Oprah and Gail, um, that Gail works in the office at the magazine. Like, I think a lot of people just think like, but she's the editor at large. She was there every single day. She, that lady never sleeps. She has crazy hours. Um, 
But yeah, she would literally, I mean, her and Oprah talk all the time. And like, I just would always <laughs> hear them like, you know, they just have the funniest banter and the funniest relationship to me. And I would always literally say when I was assistant, like you and Oprah need your own show. And you would be like, no one would want to watch that. <laughs> um, you know, people would say, say that. And so she, when she, whenever she would say that, I'd be like, I'm telling you, like, people would love that. And so back, you know, fast forward years later, when I came to this new job, um, I, was in this job and just thinking about like what would be some fun video content that hasn't been done before and then I just had had the idea and I thought um you know I I could just see it being like they're just so hilarious together and I was so happy to see that that translated well on camera and um and yeah it's so incredible how you're able to put a pulse. I think so much of journalism is you find a pulse before it really is beating hard. And you're like this, I'm predicting that this is going to pop off for lack of better words. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's about foreseeing and almost, you know, being a little bit psychic. What do you say? You agree? Uh, I don't know about psychic, but I definitely think, I think instinct is really important. And I think, but I don't think that like, I don't, I don't know if people really realize like part of I think working in digital is like I'm plugged in all day like I'm always online I'm always on even on weekends I'm basically like always on Twitter I'm always on Instagram I'm always like on other people's websites I read a lot and that I think because I'm like so kind of in um in the mix and like always just like reading and making sure that I'm staying on top of what's going on I feel like that's helped me to get an instinct for like what does well, what people, what kind of content mm -hmm. people want to read. And then just knowing the brand again, I grew up at Oprah magazine. So I feel like the, like the vibe of the magazine and the purpose is really like instilled in me at this point. So it's kind of a mixture of like instincts and just being like always on the internet. <laughs> Last, let's do rapid two questions in one minute. Ready? Okay. Okay. How does someone watching here get to work at Oprah? What's your top tip? Um, get to work at Oprah. I don't know. So like at Oprah Magazine, like if you're working for mm -hmm. our team, um, you know, I'm not someone who's like a traditional hire. I think like I, I think I'm a big personality and vibes person. So I think it's like, again, that word that keeps coming up authenticity, someone who's themselves, someone who is self aware and knows what they bring to the table, someone who can say like, this is why you need to hire me. And this is and I think a lot of people don't really think about a lot of people are busy selling themselves. But I think you also need to like remember um, you know, why the brand is also good for you. Like, why are, why are you two a good fit? Why are you a good fit for Oprah Magazine? And why is Oprah Magazine a good fit for you? So I think thinking about that, um, and definitely someone who, you know, is a hard worker who is positive and who's willing to, um, you know, really be invested in our mission of living your best life. Incredible. Last thing, what is one source of kindness or, or something great that keeps you going in times of darkness or hardships like what's one thing you would leave us with that would lift everyone up and and make them feel good I say I, f I feel like your group chats guys your 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 support systems your friends I feel like my you know I've been dealing with a lot of my own stuff lately and I think everyone has with the pandemic and I think what keeps me uplifted is you know when my friends send memes or we you know we, we're not able to see each other we're after this we're actually gonna do a virtual happy hour so I'll see y'all soon um you know we I think just like leaning on each other and, and having that support even if whether it's a small crew or a big crew whatever it is I think that um just remember that your your squad is really there to like have your back and vice versa. And I think 
Um, a lot of times we feel afraid or we're nervous about reaching out to people when we need something. But um, I'm trying to learn how to be better about like when I'm down or if I need something or if I need help, like I will text or reach out to my friends or I'll hit up the group chat or I'll be like, you know, I think that, you know, if you ever, I think that people will be there for them if you let them. So I think that that's something that I've definitely learned a lot during this pandemic. So that's my parting words for you. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of, of our squad. And I just, I'm blown away. I'm so grateful. And we will talk soon. Of course. Thank you for having me. This has been so fun. And now I'm off to go get my wine. Okay. That was incredible. There's so much that you can learn from a person. And she is just so cool just because she's, I think a lot of people tend to skirt over the fact that they hustle and they hustle hard and they grind. And Ariana is just awesome because she highlights that hustle part. And it's not just about going from intern to digital director, but it is that space in between. Thanks for tuning in to Live with Liv. Remember to be kind, be you, and take risks. Life is better when you just go for it. See you next time. Liv Schreiber.